I'll make them all see that I could be anything I want to be. If you got a dream, then you need persistence and lots of belief. Yeah. Yo. Hey, what's going on? I'm Kyle George. And I'm Rodney Harris. I'm Justin Taub. And you're listening. Uh, <laughs> we got you. We're going to introduce you. We got you. <laughs> so as you already heard, we do have a special guest on the show. But first and foremost, uh, hope that the beginning, the first month of your new year is good. Uh, the Northeast just had a nice little snowstorm. Uh, so everybody's kind of just, you know, we're like, eh, it's normal. It's not even a snowstorm. It was like a just snow. <laughs> it was squall. Um, yeah, well, somebody freaked out. <laughs> What's up, bro, bro? What's going on, man? How's it? Man, you know me. I'm around. <laughs> How's your mental today, man? Oh, on a scale of one to ten, uh, I'm gonna give it about give or take about a seven. I think I'm pretty pretty excited. I get to go on a plane tomorrow. It's one of my favorite things to do in my life. It's fly. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> get to get to be down in Orlando for for the weekend, and then um head back right back to to work on Monday. So um. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the world, what, what the world takes me, how where the world takes me, and um how that airport security is going to treat me tomorrow. But um, yeah, man, to start the new year <laughs> off, a solid seven, not too bad. Um, just looking for the things ahead. Big year coming up. Really decided to let go and stop tapping sure. into so much of the bullshit that's going on with a lot of people and um celebrities and people that's not in my tax bracket. So. I don't make as much as them, so why the hell should I be caring about what they do? Um, that's their business. They ain't, they ain't, they ain't no friend of mine. I got to worry about me and mine. So uh, it actually has worked. It's been working, man. Just staying away from TMZ, getting off of Twitter or the X or whatever you want to call it now, and just staying focused to you, stay focused to you, man. It's been working. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, for me, uh, I'm not really sure, actually. Um, there it's very, I've been very up and down with thoughts, um, and not down as in, as in a depression or not even anger or frustration, just, just annoyance. Um, especially with the last couple of weeks. Um, but I will say this, I've been doing a lot more editing. I've been creating a lot more, um, as you can it, well, once this video does come out and y'all are able to see it under my name. Oh, I didn't realize it, it came over and not Kyle, but that's fine. Um, that's a that's an AKA suckers. Um, but underneath that, it says Two Laughing Hearts Podcast out. I believe we spoke about this last episode. That is Tiff and Gabby, uh, Gab, <laughs> uh, two former guests on the show who just came out with a new podcast, Two Laughing Hearts Podcast. Um, you can check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, and I believe Amazon Music or Podcast or whatever it's called now. Um, they have a great show so far. So if you if you would indulge me, um, take the time to go and listen to that. They they're they're really doing. It. But yeah, man, when it comes to a number, I'll say a six. Um, it's not really it's not it's not terrible. You know what I mean. But like I said, I think I think being able to create more has done a lot for me. Gotcha. So, so yeah, man, that's 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 great. So, with y'all love him. <laughs> See, Justin, when before when I met Justin Town, 
my child wasn't born yet. She still was a little embryo <laughs> uh, flowing around. So the crazy thing is he got to see here my child's voice for the first time. He heard a lot about her, but never got the chance to meet her. Yes. But let's pick up right where I left off introducing Justin. All right. So our guest tonight is really, really cool, really cool person. Um, good friend of mine and has always, always, always been one of the funniest guys I know. Um, stand-up comedian, writer, writer, actor, comes out of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Shout out to Jersey. Yeah, Jersey boy hey. over there in the top left corner for me. Um, nope, false, false. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> I only reside here. I am a New Yorker through and through. Don't, don't. No offense, Justin, but... <laughs> My, I like you already. Jeff. You got my middle name, so <laughs> this like man has this man was born a of born of Jewish religion, but recently has become born again Christian, um, and is five years sober. My friend, hey, my buddy, Justin Tao. Thank you. Listen, Justin, I have to say it's been quite some time. I've been talking about wanting to do this. Um, getting you on, I want you to get your own show in the worst way possible because your mind is one of the most creative minds that I know. Um, not only from the voices that you can do, but your creativity behind the microphone is outstanding. Um, and the biggest thing that I always look forward to is, man, when I was in class with Justin in broadcasting school, what is he going to come up with next? That's that was the old, the biggest thing we always wanted to know. Me too. Like, <laughs> but I'm happy to have you on, brother. So good to see you. It's been too long. How you doing? How's everything? How's your mental health? My mental health today, we would do uh, one to ten, ten being the best. Yes. Right now, I'm I'm about I would say a nine. Got to got to leave room because you don't want to, you know, you don't, you never know what the top is. But I'm about as good Absolutely. as. That could be right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, now, Justin, you have been doing so many different things in your life. 40, 43 years young, doing so much from from traveling to, to getting on stage in front of people, telling jokes, let it be one person. He was, by the way, Justin was the first person to ever teach me. I don't care if it's one person or 150,000 people. You go behind that microphone and you do what you got to do. And you have confidence in yourself and you do it no matter what. Absolutely. I remember taking my radio final and being so nervous. And he grabbed me and looked at me and said, dude, you got this. Stop mm. being nervous. Uh, who cares? Just do it. Yep. And yeah. he he was that guy that got me through, got me through those that, that nervous moment and really instilled confidence in me to stand up in front of people and just do my thing. So I appreciate that, by the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to start off by talking about your comedic side, the funny bone that you have in you. Yeah. Now, I've seen you being extra in multiple shows. Um, first show I ever seen Justin in was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He was a he was a member of a courtroom, and he was sitting there with a beautiful smile on his face and a beautiful suit. And I was like, damn, this guy was on every show. Like <laughs> He was sitting there smiling. And by the way, before this call is over, we we are definitely going to get um, in touch about how we can get this beautiful face, this mug, on some television screens. Um, yes, but 
getting your start in comedy. How did it get go down for you? How old were you? Where were you? What where were you? What were you doing? How'd that all begin? Yeah, so for me, it was a weird start because I was I was heavy into you know drugs and alcohol, and I was just graduating from high school, and college just did not seem like it was for me. You know, I couldn't go you know six hours without using. So, what could I do as a career? You know that would allow me to continue to use drugs and alcohol on a regular basis. Why not comedy? You know, I was a class clown my whole life, you know, moving from town to town, always had to be the class clown to, to make friends. So I, uh, I picked comedy and I just went up there. I just, you know, called up a, a um, comedy club, New York comedy club. And I said, uh, uh, I got this, I got this kid. He, he wants to do comedy. Uh, he's my client. He, uh, you know, he wants to do comedy in your club. He, um, he, he's been doing it in Atlantic City for a few years. He's been headlining. He, you know, he just wants to run out some new material. Can he, can he come by uh, Saturday night? Oh, sure, 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 sure. I, it was me. I was, I was being my own agent. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got there. I showed up. You know, I was like 19, 18 years old. Um, and I showed up, and uh, I went up there with no, no material nothing plans like literally i just i just went up there with a blank blank mind just my brain blank give me the microphone bottle of southern comfort in my pocket and i so first thing i do when i get up there i just pull out the the liquor and i just chug the whole bottle right on stage and that got some laughs you know because <laughs> and i'm not even of legal drinking age and i look like it you know so they see some, you know, kid looking like 17, 16 years old, just chugging a bottle of vodka on stage. It just got laughs. And then for for me, that's all I needed. You know, when I got those mm -hmm. first laughs, you know, then confidence, boom. Oh, this is easy, you know? So then I just start riffing. I just start talking about the audience. I start talking about how the, 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 I'm underage and I'm, you know, they, they won't even serve me alcohol. I got to bring my own. And I just, I just go, well, I don't really remember everything I said. I don't really remember much. That I said. It's all I really remember, but I remember the crowd laughed, the crowd loved it. And, um, yeah. So then, uh, they invited me back. That was, I think it was a six fifteen show. They invited me back for the seven thirty same night. They go, we nice. want you. Can you do that again? I'm like, wow, comedy is easy. And, did it again, but by then, you know, I'm already a bottle of, of Southern Comfort deep. So now I'm two bottles deep. So the second show, you know, got a little more sloppy. But either way, they invited me back, and, and it, it became a thing. And I eventually worked my way up into paid gigs. Uh, not a lot. You don't make much in comedy. Maybe you get a free appetizer and, like, $30 cash. 30 bucks, yep. You know, that's about it. And that's, that's really only if you bark. You know, I had to bark. Uh, back then they don't really do this anymore, but back then out in front of the club, you would bark for, for 20 minutes, which means like they used to call carnival barkers. Mm -hmm. So that you just go out and you get people to come in. And that for me was fun because that I would, I'd be drinking and I would tell people I would lie, you know, uh, whoever came by, like if, if, um, if like a dorky white person came by, I would say, Oh, did you hear, uh, Chevy Chase's nephews doing his first comedy show in here tonight, tonight. You know, if a, if a black woman came by, I would say, oh, Oprah Winfrey's daughter is making 
comedy premiere tonight in there, $10 a head. I would get people to come in. It didn't matter. You know, I would just lie and I would get it. I would pack the house. I would pack the house. And the, the people realized I was lying, but they had a good time anyway. So mm -hmm. I got them in there based on lies, but they had a good time. And, uh, and then I would go on stage and they would, they would you know, look at me and say, well, you told me Chris Rock's nephew was going to perform. You, you, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, I lied to you. Did you have a good time? Good. And then I would get into my, you know, my bit. But that was how I would do it. I did that for years. And then uh, it kind of hit a ceiling, you know? I couldn't really do it anymore because, uh, first of all, I was, I was fucking dying inside, you know, liver and kidneys and pancreas, you know, can't keep up that for so long. So I went to college and got a degree in journalism. But I was still drinking just, you know, in college, just a little yeah. different, a little less, you know, a little wasn't as intense when you're doing it on, as a comedian. There's a level, man, because you yeah, get that sure. going. Once that adrenaline goes, for when sure. you age, you know, after the show, you, you can drink like cope like much more than you normally would. And before the show, same thing. And it just became like this, uh, this, this cycle where, you know, it was just comedy and drinking, comedy and drinking. With college, you know, I still had to take exams. I still had to write papers. So I was drinking. But, you know, at least I had moments of, you know, not not drinking so much where I had to get my work done. When I was doing comedy, there were no moments. Right. It was not stop. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, bottle, bottle, of, bottle of liquor under my pillow, not stop. Wow. Yeah. wow. That's crazy. I would, I would get DTs. You know, I would start, you know, if I didn't mm -hmm. six hours. The shakes. Start, yep. I would hallucinate. I would see demons. Like, I would hallucinate wow. actual demons. I would get electric shocks in the back of my head. Basically, my, my body telling me, you need to put alcohol in you or you're going to die. So electric shocks would wake me up. So like literal electric shocks. My, my body used electric shocks to wake me up to, to make sure I drank so I wouldn't die in my sleep. It was bad. Wow. 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 Yeah. Um, no. Okay, oh, right. No, go, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was, I was gonna say just from the comedy aspect. So I had so comedy. It was funny. I just spoke to my best friend about this recently, but I sold comedy tickets for maybe five, four, five, six years or something like that. And I worked for the comic strip. I worked for New York Comedy Club um, under new ownership. Um, I don't know if you know them now. It's Emilio and Scott. Shout out to them. No, um, it's cool, <laughs> um, but you know, um, Aaron's. I was doing Steve Aaron shows. Um, I yes, yes, yeah. I know the name. I, I think I might have met him like once or twice, but that was also a long, 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 yeah. long, 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 long time ago. Um, but just you know, even doing the selling the comedy tickets and then being able to go to the shows and interact, watching them go on stage, and whether it was whether it was the best set of the night or they bombed. It's so incredible watching somebody going up and just telling jokes and not to tell jokes because you're you're just like the funny guy. You know what I mean? You're the, you are the like I understand being the class clown. You know what I mean? Like I'm still the class clown, <laughs> you know, um, just on a different level. But comedy is just so interesting on so many different levels. And just like you said, like, you know, it's very much like wrestling on the indies. Like you don't really get get paid a lot. But mm -hmm. the exposure is there. You get the practice. Um, you never know who comes in these comedy clubs. You never know. So there could be anybody who can come and see you and you can catch a break. Um, 
Like it, it, it's, it was so much fun for a kid who wasn't really making money selling comedy tickets. And I mean, not making money like at all, <laughs> like for years. Um, but like I said, just being able to interact with even, even, you know, just pe- interact f- with people from around the world, you know, that I, like I said, just hearing that and you are so right about the drinking. I know so many comedians who like would maybe take a shot before the show, but after the show, it was fair game. <laughs> it was all fair game. Yeah. That adrenaline goes, man. It's like, you don't want it to think oh, I'm an addict. Right. So I get the adrenaline from being on stage and then you get off stage. It starts to slowly fade. So how do yeah. I keep going? You know, alcohol, yeah whatever i could get my hands on you know right and yeah. it, even even for music like i used to do music and it's the when rodney said um about your advice about whether it's one person or 150,000 people once you're behind the mic you do your thing and that was the same thing with hip hop or well with just doing music i've done little shows where where we were showcased and 10 people showed up and then i was able to do like open mics where there was 150 people you know so but but the energy stays the same no matter what and i think that's important whether it's a podcast whether it's music whether it's comedy once you're behind the microphone once that camera is on you know the wild part about the comedy aspect and being an addict is that we see so many of these individuals who happen to succumb to the addiction um, and in the world of comedy, right? And they always tell you that smiling face behind all that laughter is a lot of pain. And so we've seen some of the greatest, the greats of the greats be the funniest people in the world, but they're going through so much on the inside. Richard Pryor. Farley being one one, one of the ones that everybody likes just like, man, everything he was dealing with and like just you couldn't take it anymore at some point you know it's really scary how did as as somebody that was a part it's still a part of that of that world and now being five years sober how do you find it going into these clubs getting on stage going through those motions how do you find that willpower to stay sober i no willpower i i can't i don't have the willpower I don't have it. If I relied on my willpower, I'd be drinking. I'll, I'll be using drugs and drinking. There's no doubt about that. There's the one thing I know for a fact is I will drink and I will use drugs again if I rely on my willpower. Yeah, it's it's God. It, everything for me comes down to God. You know, I, I find my strength through God. And without that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm waking up uh, under boardwalks. I'm waking up uh, in hospitals and rehabs and jails, you know. So for me, it is not, it, the willpower has nothing to do with it. I tried that willpower thing and ended up in 10 different rehabs. You know, you know, it would get a few months, I'll fall. Get a few months, I'll fall. You know, it, my willpower only took me so far. I once got 11 months in like 30 days once on pure willpower. It's the most miserable 11 months and 30 days of my life. Every morning, every night, every every second of every day was spent not drinking, not 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 doing drugs, you know, fighting it, fighting it. That for me, that was a more miserable existence 
than actually drinking and using drugs in a horrible, irresponsible manner. Because for me, it's just the constant battle inside myself to not use. It, I was, I was, ha I was better off using. I really was. But then, I, obviously, you know, I did. Uh, I go to AA. Uh, I found. I did the twelve steps. Through the twelve steps, I found God. Uh, you know, I go to church. I'm a member of my church. I, you know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and personal Savior, and He keeps me sober. Beautiful. Beautiful. And the, the biggest thing, that's why I led that and set that up the way I did, because that's where I was leading it. Religion. Not having the willpower and basically just saying, I'm going to give myself to the Lord. I'm giving myself to you. I lay myself at your feet. Whatever happens after this happens, but I can't do this on my own anymore. Right. When did that time come for you? Um, and um, when I say time, let me be, let's be more specific. How many years in were you with the drinking and the addiction to where it's like you came at the feet of the Lord and said, you know what? This is it. I'm, I'm leaving it up to you. I went through my steps. This is one of my last steps. I got to get I got to leave this to you because I can't do this by myself. Uh, Well, 20 years, I would say 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow, but years. Wow. October 14th, 2014, I went to my first rehab, but you know, I only, I didn't go for me, for my girlfriend, for my mom, for my dad, for my brother, get them off my back. You know, I wasn't trying to get sober. I was trying to, you know, get them off my back where I could, I had the illusion where I could still drink and, and use drugs responsibly. And, uh, you know, 10 rehabs later, you know, or nine rehabs later uh, on my last relapse, I was uh, suicidal. And, uh, you know, woke up in a hospital, my finger hanging off, uh, bruises all over my body in my white beater and, and uh, underwear and not knowing how I got there. Doctors whispering, they're going to wheel me into the psych ward. Uh, the only thing I was focused on was that bottle of vodka I had in my room. I had to get back to it. Uh, so I manipulated my way out of the, out of the, not get into the psych ward. Um, and, uh, you know, they call it the flight deck. At NUMC. Uh, so I would, uh, I manipulated my way out, got in the cab in my underwear and climbed through my window, this window right here. And um, I, uh, I didn't have keys or anything. So I had to get to that vodka and, and that bottle of Xanax and the bag of weed. And um, but right before I, I drank, I had this moment of like warmth, my little chihuahua. My little 18 year old Chihuahua was staring at me right next to the bottle of vodka, like sitting there next to the bottle, just sitting there staring at me. And in that look in, in this little Chihuahua's eyes, man, I swear God to me, God speaks through everything. God was speaking through that, through that little dog because that look, that dog just gave me this, this look, man. And before I drank the vodka and took the pills, I, I made a call to a rehab, same rehab, this one I've been through five times. This would be my fifth time, and they they didn't want they didn't want me back, you know, because I, I don't I don't listen. I didn't I didn't I didn't take any suggestions. I just go there and I leave and I come back, you know. They couldn't help me. It's not like they didn't love me. They just didn't feel like they were able to help me. But they they gave me they let me back in. They 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 said you know let's, let's give it a try. And uh, forty I had forty eight hours. I needed a bed. I had a bed in forty eight hours, but I need to get through these forty eight hours, you know, without ending up in the hospital again. And nothing was going to stop me. 
uh, because uh, I, I couldn't stop at that point. I was physically addicted. My physical addiction was there. So I couldn't stop. So I had to get someone to babysit me. No one wanted to do it. This is where God stepped in again. I randomly uh, Facebook messaged uh, a, 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 an old, old acquaintance. He wasn't even really a friend, you know, acquaintance that used to sell me pot, you know, that just got out of prison seven years for shooting up uh, some some kid's car. And he, he showed up. I didn't think he would. He showed up. As a, he, he babysat me for 48 hours, uh, administered shot of alcohol every hour which was nothing for me. It was just enough to keep me from going to DTs. Most people that would, you know, knock down a couple out, you know, it was just enough to keep me from going to DTs, got me into the rehab. And uh, I did everything they asked me, every suggestion, raised my hand in every meeting, opened my heart to God, uh, you know, got a sponsor, did the uh, steps, did everything. And it took time, but eventually, you know, with, with God, I, I was able to find sanity again. I, I was in I was an insane person, <clears throat> I, you know, clinically, like if this was uh, 75 years ago, like I would be in an insane. I would have been wouldn't have been sent to rehab. So I would have been sent to an insane inside insane asylum. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, thank God for for a uh, and then. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, you know, it was 20 years, 20 years of suffering, though. But but I gotta be honest. Ten of those years w was awesome, you know. Like I, my, the first ten, man, drinking and, and drugging worked. It, it worked for me. I was killing my body, but meant my my mental well being, being my my spiritual well being was still golden. It just the last ten years was a nightmare. For anybody that's going through um, addiction right now, uh, what is one piece of advice you'll give them? One piece of advice to give them? Yep. Do the 12 steps. Going to meetings is not, it wasn't enough for me. Going to meetings is just, it's great. You know, it's supplemental. But you get a sponsor and go through the steps. What do you have to lose? I mean, it took, it took me 10 rehabs to finally get it. You know, a lot of suffering, suicidal ideas. And uh, I don't wish I did it earlier because I learned a lot from that suffering. Suffering teaches you a lot spiritually. And, uh, you know, so, but yeah, my, my suggestion would be get us, go to a meeting, raise your hand, say, I'm looking for a sponsor to go through the steps. And I guarantee you, if you do that, you will get people that come up to you after the meeting willing to sponsor you. And if it, if, if it doesn't work out, it's not a long-term relationship and it's not like, you know, say this isn't working out. They don't take it personal. You, you get a new sponsor, but try it, just try it out and see, see what happens. You got nothing to lose. Absolutely. Look, I'm this you're the second person um that has come come across a different angle who has every day I, I know I know every day you battle with your sobriety. Um it's it's a it's a battle every day. It's not it's not gonna end. It's it is what it is. You and you you have accepted that. My buddy Sean Young, who was formerly on the show ex-military, four years sober, now runs a men's group um, helping other vets who are dealing with addiction. Four years sober this past month. I'm very, very proud of him because he's come a long way. And he, he too, explained on the show, it's, it's not a joke. Don't take it for granted. Yeah, it was fun in the moment, 
but when your body starts to reject you and when you start to treat others and put him in his route in his story he was going to the violent side where he was going in the bars just fighting people and he just had so much pent-up anger from dealing with military and and he was kind of just blanking in that with alcohol and and all kinds of other stuff and it was so he had a he got in trouble judge looked him in the face goes I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you this one last chance. I'm gonna give you this one last chance of faith. All right. If you can show me you can do this, I won't put you in jail. Like it, it's somebody. And I, I'll be honest with you. I know Kyle. We we try not to get too spiritual, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right here. That's the power of the Lord, man. God just works. God's always at work. He don't clock out. He don't take days off. And he's always, he works in the way he works. You're never going to figure it out. I want people to stop trying to figure out the heavenly fault. Stop trying to figure it out. Just let them work. Let them do work. You let them work. Trust me. Your life will go a lot smoother if you just accept it and let the work come to you. That's what it came down to. It wasn't just about, about believing in God. It was about trusting. Yeah, trust the work. Trust the process. The process is working. Trust me, it's working. When you feel like it's not working, it's working. Yeah. You, you, you know what's crazy about that? Yesterday, I literally, literally just had a conversation with my sister. And she's not the biggest, you know, religious person either. But, you know, exactly what you said is something that she was saying. Regardless if it's God or, or whatever, whatever you believe in, it's about that faith, right? It's about having faith in whatever higher power you want to call it because like even if you're atheist atheist it's like but you still you still believe that you still even even if it's inner power inner strength there's still something to believe in so it's crazy that you're saying that because literally i was having that conversation you gotta believe in something bigger than you because it's something bigger than you out there man god doesn't make look at look at uh look at hbk Okay, HBK I, made that comeback. You you hear inter, uh, room interviews about him about how he, just a completely different man from a yeah. arrogant, you know, scumbag into yeah. a man a man of God that that people are proud to call a friend and and, and a family member. You know, yep. his it's so funny you bring that up because we go going into the fun side of the show. Mm-hmm. Let's go. You got any more questions about the? Sobriety side, mental health side. Um. Oh, actually, it's funny. I had one. Of course, you know, it it went away like a little bird. Um, but uh, just I guess I guess I would just ask, um, for the people once again who are going through it, or you know, either have the the addiction and know they have the addiction, because a lot of people with addiction don't realize that they have an addiction. Um, but you know, outside of just the 12, you know, going through with the 12 steps, um, how important is it to do it for yourself? Very important. It's, uh, you can't do it for anyone else. You start doing it for other people. It, it's temporary. It has to be, has to be for, for you and for your relationship with God. It's a selfish, it's selfish. You gotta be selfish in the beginning. Yeah put yourself in a position to help others. If you're not selfish, if you don't help yourself, 
then you are not ever going to be in a position to help others. You can't go running around, you know, helping all these other people while you're while you're killing yourself. It's just it's unsustainable. Gotcha. We say that all the time. <laughs> yes, we, we, we say that all. I tell you all the time, man. You, you got to be good for you first, or you can't take care. You can't do anything. Not Superman. Right. Stop trying to be Superman. There's only one Superman. Yeah. Right. Your name's and not he's Clark the worst. Cat. Listen, debatable. Like, uh, debatable. Yeah. <laughs> debatable. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but it's debatable, okay? Like, there's some people that actually like him. All right, Kyle? I, I don't know, know why. Mr. Marvel. But I don't know Some why. people actually like DC, okay? I, I like some of DC. It's not that I hate DC. I just don't like Superman. I think he's terrible. I'm not a fan of, of DC or Marvel in, as companies, but, I mean, if I got to pick one, I'm going Punisher. I'm going Punisher. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm digging it. I'm digging that. You know, Frank Castle is not the Punisher right now. Oh no, I don't know. I just, I just know Punisher from the old comic books. No, of course, of course. Netflix, the Netflix series, I oh, believe, so good. With uh, I think is uh, I forgot John his name. Ber- John Berthenstall, but Berthen. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry yeah. For forgetting, all- messing up his name. The Walking Dead first season. Yeah, yeah. He that that series, man. That that reignited my love for Punisher. Listen, let me let me tell y'all something real quick. Echo just came out. Not a bad series. A lot of people are hating on it. It it's it all five episodes are up on on Disney Plus. But because right now with Marvel, they have one movie this year, which is Deadpool three, which is rumored that the trailer is going to drop on the Super Bowl. Oh, or at least the teaser trailer, one of the two. So. I'm a little hype when I see it. I'm a little, but nah, look, it's dropping. It's coming out this year. So I'm oh, excited. We know it's coming out this year, but I believe <laughs> the trailer's going to drop on Super Bowl Sunday. I believe it's just going to be, it. it's just going to be Ryan Reynolds with a set of action figures. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, just playing around. <laughs> so far, Apple's so good. So good. But then I believe there's a ton of shows coming out for Marvel when it comes to animated and live action. Yeah. And so they, they got the, they got, X-Men 97 coming out, which is a continuation of the 90s X-Men cartoons. So if, you know, we grew up with that, so that's all classic stuff right there. Um, yeah, listen. The uh, Spider-Man, there's a new Spidey coming out, a new spy, uh, animated Spider-Man coming out, and it's and it takes place in the MCU, so I believe it's his freshman year of high school. Wow. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but what I was going to say is that Daredevil, Born Again, is coming out. And yes. they they just put all of the Netflix shows on Disney Plus, and they said they finally um, came around came back around to saying that it's actually canon. So the so the Daredevil Born Again show that's coming out soon is actually going to be connected to the original one. Original one. Oh, oh man, it's gonna be so cool. I'm so excited. I I know the Ben Affleck one. Oh goodness. Oh. <laughs> well, this is why I want to go see that movie from Jennifer Garner. I don't care. I, I don't care about no damn Ben Affleck. That's why Jennifer Garner. I got excited. That's Look, all. We had Black Kingpin. <laughs> all right. As a teenage, as a, teen, a little boy, I said, "Oh, she's beautiful." Yeah. I gotta go see this movie about this blind guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "Oh my God!" You talking about funny stories? I never told you about the story. You snuck in a stall, Hellboy. We, Maybe if my remember. mom is listening, I'm sorry, ma. Um, <laughs> we lied to my parents and told them that we were, was gonna go see Scooby Doo too. Um, and they let us go. Me, my buddy Sean, and Danny, 
they let us go to the movies by ourselves because at the time you know we were kids we, we weren't we were old enough to be by ourselves but going yeah, to the movies years, yeah. going to ridgewood theater by yourself was like, like a death sentence like we had blood stains on the screen you no know, bullet holes in the wall so you shouldn't be going to that movie theater by yourself but we're gonna go see scooby-doo so like in the middle of the day like it can't, what can happen it's like going to sunrise yeah <laughs> it was horrible so we said we was like listen we ain't gonna see no damn scooby-doo for five dollars we can go see hellboy it just came out we snuck in the hellboy Paid the five. We had somebody on the street buy the tickets for us mm-hmm. because it, obviously we were not of age. And this guy bought the tickets for us. We went in there. We had ourselves a good time. It was funny as hell because we were laughing because we heard Scooby Doo next door in the other theater. We were like, technically, we went to go see Scooby Doo because we heard it. So if anybody ever asked us, so how was Scooby Doo? Yeah, yeah, this that this happened. All you had to do is put your ear up against the wall. You could hear everything. That's how thin the walls were in this place. It was horrible. Yeah. We used to do that. We used to do that too. But we would we wouldn't get someone to buy the ticket. We would just buy a ticket to a different movie and then just mm-hmm. walk and then go in. Yep. My mom did that with Rugrats. It was the Rugrats movie, and we went to go see Life. So we paid for Life and then snuck into the Rugrats movie. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it was like it was oh, my whole family. Get it? It was the first time I like really had an interaction with cops. But this is neither here nor there. Um. I was in high school and my charter, I went to charter school for high school and every Wednesday was a half a day. So a friend of mine and I, I believe I was like 16, went to Astoria to go to the movie theaters. And I don't remember if we bought tickets for the movie or if we bought tickets for something else, but we went and watched Doom with The Rock. That was definitely a rated R movie, mainly because The Rock said, fuck, like, I think that's the second high, the second I think that's the second movie that has the most amount of that word in it, <laughs> which is hilarious. So, but hey, man, listen, we we were out here watching stuff we weren't supposed to be watching, <laughs> listening to songs we weren't supposed to be listening to. <laughs> Good times. But I know Rod wanted to go into the fun side of things. And he mentioned HBK earlier. If you don't know the nickname, that's short for Heartbreak Kid. AKA Shawn Michaels. Or as Vince greatest. McMahon as Vince McMahon used to call him, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> oh God. Why did say, you do that? So, well? so aggressively. I don't know. Shawn <laughs> <laughs> <John> Michaels. <laughs> what a maneuver. <laughs> like, all right, all right, just relax. Yeah, Calm uh, down. You're spitting on the papers. Relax. Um, Shawn Michaels is my goat. Man, I yes. grew up grew up on Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Randy Savage. You know, I love them all, but once Shawn Michaels came around, man. Mm-hmm. That- and wrestling just came can't miss TV. Yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels, I if he was wrestling, if he was on the mic, if he was doing any promos, like I was amped up. Especially uh, once he once they started once they started DX. I mean, they were they were out of control. Yeah, literally out of control. Like the networks kept threatening the WWE to take them off air because of the antics of what DX would do. Yeah, and no, Brett, like, Brett Hart uh, came involuntarily. Yeah. That's a, that's one of the best parts, and the 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 wit, the wit of yeah. Mike, to on the spot, turn that into Degeneration X. You know, mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe that that wasn't staged, but from what I hear, it wasn't. Yeah, it was all it was all natural. 
yeah. all all natural. Yeah. And um, on on top of, sh- uh, well, besides Shawn Michaels, um, I know you mentioned a guy that most people don't mention anymore, um, which is uh, the red and yellow went to black and white. Um, you know what I'm talking about that guy. Um, the man that don't want his daughter to date black men. Yeah, that dude. Oh, that that dude. Guy? The one who just saved a girl and now. No, no, let know, me tell you something. Hold on. Let's let's <laughs> let's clear this man's name for a second, okay? Clear I'm whose name? Sorry. I, I want to. I'm, I'm, listen, I don't want to be the Hulk Hogan apologist, <coughs> but I did not give him a pass for that whole thing. But I'll tell you this: since that came out, and since everyone's dragged him, oh yeah, before it to this day, he has the the nicest things in the world for people. This man has been a stand-up citizen to the United States of America. <laughs> you like, Saving people from flipped over cars? Crazy. In the middle of the road? Yeah. Actually, and he's, he, was, he just became a born again last year. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe what happened to him with that whole situation was his wake up call for not for being so, I, I won't say for a lot of people use the term racist. I would say use the term a little bit prejudiced. The racist is a little, because you know it, there's a lot that goes into racism. I I reserve race is a strong word. I, I I agree with you there. I kind of reserve racist for like KKK Nazis things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like prejudice. Yeah, saying that you know you don't want you what you prefer your daughter to date and what you don't want her to date. First of all, he was illegally recorded. Um, he was uh, that was a private conversation while he was laying in bed with his girl. That was not supposed to get out to anybody. And he did say he never said he had a problem. I want to make make this very clear. He yeah. said he had a problem with black people. He said that he if he prefers how to date a black man, he'd rather him know how to play a basketball and make a lot of money. Which sounds extremely messed up. If you think about it, it's like, damn, that's all we good for. Why can't we just be a normal guy that works at Target? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> like I'm not saying that I'm into Brooke Hogan, but I'm just saying. Oh, I fuck. I fuck. Hey, listen, he's open and honest, folks. He's open and honest. You know, but like uh, I'm just saying, how about we ask Brooke her take? What's her take? Did anybody ever ask? I'm pr- I'm pretty sure they she was interviewed and asked. I couldn't tell you what she said. Brooke, are you into Are you into the BBC, Brooke? Oh, I, I swear, if I get her in a room, I'm gonna ask her. Brooke, no, are you into the BBC? It's like what you, <laughs> the, the private conversation. Now, it's not like he he want he went in public. That right. Difference because right. these private conversations, man, for me. Like I've said some awful shit in private conversations. Sometimes I'm trying to be funny. Other times I'm just, you know, just being an asshole around my friends, you know. Yeah. But words that have come out of my mouth since I've been alive in private conversations, man, oh my god! Some of you, even these group texts with like a few of my friends, mm-hmm. the shit that we say, all of that ever gets out. I, I, <laughs> Done. I will never get another gig. I'll be blacklisted from Hollywood. I will, I'm telling you, man. Some of the shit I've said, man, would 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 shock even you two. And and I think and I think also with everything with his son, you know what I mean. His son has had a very tumultuous life. Um, 
so for for when it comes to Mr. Bolea, um, I think I, I I agree with you. I think he he has come around, but you know people are still oh, listen. No. Uh, Look, especially all of all of New York City wrestling fans. Will oh not, yeah, will yeah. We don't we don't rock with them. That's cancel culture, though. That's the problem, though. The cancel culture of you make you get caught uh, saying the wrong thing once in your life. You make a mistake once in your life. It's that's it. You get blacklisted. You you get you you never. And you know we gotta like what's the point? How does that help society? First of all, we're supposed to have open dialogue, talk about it. Yeah, be allowed to redeem yourself. You know, that's how society is able to grow. When, when you just find something on someone that they said in a, some obscure conversation from a decade ago and say, that's it, you're done. You'll never work again. You're, I hate you for life. You know, you got to look in the mirror first and think, yeah. what are the things that I have done when I thought nobody was listening, when I thought nobody was watching? I bet you I'm pretty effed up shit too, you know? Yeah, well, I also think on top of that, to and... Then I'll get back to the point of of New York just not rocking with him, but when it, you know Chris Brown is a perfect example, you know what I mean? Like yes, he he had his hand, he put his hands on Rihanna. He and ever since that happened, the man has forgiven, has has apologized over and over and over and over and over, and then people can't get past it. But yeah. people, but so many people, so many less people are talking about her putting her hands on him. You know what I mean? So it's it's a it's a it's it's crazy, but even with New York, I think also when it comes to Hogan, it's like he's also screwed up a lot of the wrestling business for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like TNA, perfect example. Um, but but so I think it is like a little deeper, especially when it comes to wrestling fans. You know what I mean? Not just people of color, but wrestling fans in general, because some of us. Because I can't say majority of us, because that's that w- that would be a fib. But some of us knows our wrestling history. You know what I mean? So it's like watching everything from WCW into him coming back to the WWE, into him and Bischoff going to TNA, into everything coming out after that, into or actually it was Hogan's no Hogan knows best, and then it was everything else coming out. You know what I mean? So I I just think the the timeline is a little wonky. Listen. <laughs> for, for Hulk Hogan, like the great Leslie Nelson once said, like a midget out of urinal, he has to be on his toes. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you can't, you can't. Everything from that day forward, he needs to be tiptoeing around everyone. Yeah, can, but, shout out to him because that quotes from Naked Gun. Yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and look, it's one of it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Out of all the movie, a naked gun movies, it's my favorite one because they got slipped in there real quick. Yeah, just like like a blind man at an orgy had to feel my way around. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just he, you know, the lines are just so quick in that movie. Just bang, bang, and he was so good at keeping a straight face after saying something like that. Yep. Hey, oh. OJ was. Awesome in those. Oh, OJ, okay. see, if the whole case didn't happen, I think OJ had a hell of a comedy career. He could've. I personally think OJ had a great comedy career ahead of him uh, before all the whole case and everything happened. He could have had a sitcom. He and yeah. yes, yeah. OJ was a great actor. <laughs> like, For sure. honestly, he, you, if you if you, if that never happened, I would not be surprised. If OJ Simpson was had a huge career, 
in in the entertainment industry. He already had one, but it continued long term and eventually ran for public office. Yeah, OJ was looked at as a very big figure, man. Yeah. He was looked at. He was the rock of his era, yeah. kind of. How same way we hold the rock on this pedestal. Like, no, listen, hear me out. OJ Simpson really doesn't get enough credit for the for the impact he had. Oh yeah, on society. No, <laughs> like yeah, he was okay, the greatest. Come on, the greatest and one of he was arguably at the time. Just at that time, before Eric Dickerson and everybody, the greatest NFL running back of all time behind Jim Brown. Yeah, keep in mind Jim Brown was in movies. Shout out to Jim Brown. Yeah, acting. Rest in peace. Yo, Jim and, Brown, one, but yet OJ Simpson when OJ he was, was second he was, back that ever lived, and he had the greatest season, better than any Jim Brown season. He had two thousand yards in a fourteen game season. season. That's like what? That's like hundred and forty yards rushing a game average. Yeah. He was a beast. And he was looked at like we look at kind of like we look at The Rock. He was beloved. My man was at Hertz commercials running through the airport and all kinds of stuff. Like he was yo, he was on he was on CBS doing play by play and color commentary. He was he was everywhere. And that was the other thing. That's what I was gonna say too. If if it wasn't public office, he was definitely gonna be involved with the NFL somehow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think he would have been sitting on a board or something. Like going to like the extreme end where I like I could have I definitely could have envisioned him if he wanted it and he had the right people around him running and becoming a congressman. I'm not saying president. I won't go that far, but becoming a, there's a lot of congressmen becoming hey. a U.S. congressman. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Glenn Jacobs is a damn man. Like, come on, if Kane can become a congressman or Kane can become a mayor, yeah. you tell me OJ could have become a congressman? Hold on. Could if if Arnold Schwarzenegger can yeah, be the governor, governor of Florida, of Florida, oh, of California. California. OJ could have been president. Um, no. I'm just saying. Yeah. Look, look at how many people watched that OJ trial. Yeah. Look, it wasn't because they wanted to know if OJ did it. It's because it was OJ. Yeah. yeah. It was the juice. It, it was- wasn't nothing else. The juice is in a Ford Bronco. Stop the NBA finals. I don't care if the Knicks are in it. Yeah. We watching OJ. Like that's crazy. My favorite line of that whole thing was, "I'm AC, damn it, I'm AC." <laughs> oh, <I." laughs> like, no, we don't. We don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I tell you. Oh god, what time? I don't even know the time. How much time we got left? Well, two I, minutes. Oh no, god. no, no. We we have we have a I, bit. Like we have, seven, we have a little bit. Okay, so Justin, I know you have uh, you have a prior engagement that you have to get I, to, right? Dude, he's a little basketball star. Oh man, listen, we I, well, we don't definitely don't want you to miss that. So if you have to cut out any any given time, you be yeah, like, guess, we'll wrap it up. My little nephew, I taught him, I taught him how to play defense, like a combination of Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman and Charles Oakley. So Ooh. he's physical. He <laughs> he he fouls out a lot. Like he will he'll get goals. He'll do you know. <laughs> He, he suplex he, him. Oh. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh my God, he's just spinning back fisting people. Now that's what you got him doing. Dude, yeah, I, they tell him at that age, you know, you, you know, it's not about winning. It's not about like, no. Listen, don't, it's don't win listen. game. You, Make sure you, you win. To win the game after the game, do all the sportsmanship you want. Give him hugs, you know, be friends and all that. But when you're in that game, man, you win. You play to win the game. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, baby. 
You play to win the game. Listen, Listen I'm not a big fan soccer. of the Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, my daughter no, plays go ahead. now, yeah. and I go to her games, and I'm just, and she's nine, and she's killing it. Side yeah. note, killing it. Got her first two goals a couple weeks ago. I was like, drop kick him. Like I was just, I was, <laughs> I just, I just want to see a drop kick somebody. Listen, I I watched a video of my daughter first day in dance. They they record each session. They put it yeah. on the app for the parents to see. I was mortified and so upset. I was so pissed. I told I told Trish, cut that shit off. I don't want to see that. And I was like, yeah, I got my daughter out there looking like a space cadet. She's sitting there just looking at the mirror, sitting around and just spinning around. She's like, Rodney, she's free. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't pay you to watch her spin around and just look at and look at herself. Yeah. I'll pay you to teach her. Teach her. Yeah. You know, I was like, my daughter's gonna do it. She's gonna be the best. I don't care. She's Rodney. She's three. I was like, I don't care. She's a winner. I was yeah. like, you either be a shark or you're a guppy. You're going to pick one. But if you want to be a guppy, so be it. But there ain't going to be no guppy on my watch. You're a damn shark, all right? And you're going to go out there and eat some people. Don't don't let him give give him the, any of those participation trophies either, man. Yeah, he, no. I told my nephew, they try to give you one of those, you give it right back. Nice and politely. Don't need to throw it on the ground. You say thank you, but no thank you. And you give it right Absolutely. back. Because that's not what I want. Listen, yeah. every successful athlete, actor, comedian, I don't care if you're doing water aerobics. Yeah. Anybody that's successful at something understood the laws of the game. Yeah. There's a winner and there's a loser. Yeah. All right. When like this is this is what kills me about the Olympics because there's gold, silver, and bronze, and it means a lot when you medal. When you medal, it's hard to medal in the Olympics because there's so many people you're up against. Yeah. So that's the only place where I give exception to a first, second, and third. Right. But when we're oh, when you're sitting there telling me that you up against a school, just a school of people, something about eleven people, and you get twenty sixth, and you up there receiving your ribbon, right? I'm not on the ribbon, the ribbon for it. Yeah, I'm out of mail it to my house. I, I don't want to go up there. Kid, no justice. It does not help them. You all you want to make them feel good. How it does not prepare them for life. It does yeah. not. They will career one day. And they're and and they're gonna want a promotion. The boss isn't gonna go. Oh, you tried your hardest. I'm I'm gonna give you a promotion. No, it's you produce or you don't get promoted. That's just the way yeah. it is. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I thought it was a I thought it was a man thing. Like my illos call me crazy. My wife called me crazy. I was like, I'm not crazy. I played not- sports competitively. I know what it's like. I wrestled. Did you think when I got up off the mat from pinning somebody, you think that, or I got pinned, you think that my coach was like, Rodney, you did a hell of a job, Rodney. Good job. Good job. No, you cost us a point, man. What the hell? That's exactly what happened. Look, all three of us has done some type of sport or something where there's, you know, competitive, a a, a reward, right? Yeah. Look, I did Little League, I did martial arts for years. It was, like he said, it was first, second, or third. You either got the super big trophy. The medium trophy or the little itty bitty trophy, right? And, <laughs> whole and that's all you got. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, and I completely agree. Participation trophies—they don't do anything for the psyche. They don't do anything for confidence. If anything, not getting that trophy should light that fire to make you want to win next year or make yeah. you want to win the next time you go. You think if Michael Jordan got a trophy for getting cut from the basketball team, he would have right. been Michael Jordan? No. Exactly. They were saying, "Oh, you're not cut. Everyone's accepted. You could be the 
15th man off the bench. You know, that, that could have been the reason why he didn't push himself. You know, do you think Kobe Bryant would have got a trophy after missing that air ball against Utah in his first his rookie season? Right. If he didn't miss that air ball, we wouldn't have the black mama. Right. Yep. You, they would have cheered him and the media would have praised him and said, well, he tried his hardest. He's doing great. I think we should all cheer and, and respect Kobe for trying. Yay, let's have a parade for him and give him an award. No, you wouldn't have Black Mama. Exactly. So you gotta, and that's, I think that's, I think that's a perfect way to kind of, kind of sign off with a message to the people. That's why, maybe that's why LeBron doesn't have that killer instinct. Because everyone Which, keeps praising him for making it to the finals. Self-proclaimed king. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, you know what? That's even though he plays for my favorite team, it's very unfortunate. So I have no other choice but to root for him. Who the um, I'm me? joking. I'm joking. <laughs> like, like, don't disrespect me like that. That's the thing, though. He really could have been better than Jordan if he had that killer instinct. No, you don't got that killer. He would have. See, there's some people that are absolute assassins, yeah. and then there's some people that are guys that's gonna fight on the front line with you. Yeah, LeBron's that guy that's gonna fight on the front line with you. Yeah. Mike, Kobe, Magic, that's Larry, a great, like that. Those are assassins. Those are special yeah. ops. Those are guys you call when you need to go find a motherfucker. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's like yep. you need to go find somebody. You call Magic. You call Larry. You you you, you call you call Kobe. You call Mike. Yeah, I'm telling you, I got on my list. Oh, Ewing. On my list, <laughs> of who I want uh, killers. <laughs> yep. Who I want my basketball team for for one game to save my life. And I'm listen. I love. I I think I think uh, LeBron James. I love his game. I think he's a great player. But I don't have him in my starting five. I got him on my bench. I got Larry mm. starting a small foe. For one game, now I'm not talking career. No, Larry, Larry prime Larry. Just one, game. Yep. one game. One game. Larry Bird starting a small forward game. Prime Larry will look LeBron in the face. I'm giving you 50. Are you look, ready? You know what? How about this? Give him 55. Hey, That's how, how he was. Because I know we're dwindling down on time now. <laughs> like we were good a few minutes ago. Um, but there's a conversation, and, and we can actually save this if, you know, because I know Rod and I would both love you to, to come back on the show in the love near future. Um, but I know there's a conversation going around right now a debate where they're saying Steph. There's an argument that people would choose Steph over LeBron. Mm. Mm. I I know, but it, there's I gotta I I would have to do research because you know I'm I'm y'all guys know sports way more than In I what do. Con- I, I would tell the people this in what context? Are you talking about killer instinct? Overall. Are you talking about go get me a bucket? Like, what do you like overall game? I can't put Steph over LeBron. Overall. Five seconds left. Five seconds left on the clock. Down by two. I'm taking Steph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The greatest shooter of all time. Like, I've never seen a guy that can do what he does. I never seen it. I seen Ray Allen. I seen Reggie Miller. I seen all great shooters. I haven't seen the great Larry Bird. Listen, look, I, but I've I, never seen people do Steph, what this guy does. He, it's Steph, just crazy. Steph's also one of those people that really does have everything. Like he might not utilize dunks, he might not utilize the inside as much, but he, he has the handles, he has the mind for it, Smart. he has the jump shot, he he looks around a lot, and you can say those same things to LeBron about LeBron. It's just LeBron is bigger, LeBron is stronger, 
He's been in the game longer. More consistent. LeBron, because... He's more consistent. Yeah. He's more consistent. Like, you, like Curry at his best, Curry's best game is better than LeBron's best game. But Curry's worst game is much worse than LeBron's worst game because mm. he relies on that outside shot. And he's money, greatest shooter of all time. But there are going to come games where he goes 3 of 14 from downtown yeah. and, you know, 6 of, of 27 because he's shooting a lot. LeBron may have those games rarely, but but overall, his floor, LeBron's floor is higher than Steph's floor, while Steph's ceiling is higher than LeBron. I dig it. I dig everything. I agree. Um, that we definitely gotta get. We gotta get you back on, Justin. I can't. Sure. Now, Justin, I know. I know you got something cooking. I know you got something growing. My you next. Got, gotta go watch him. Gotta go watch him pull some Draymond Green. Any, anything before you go anything you want to plug any upcoming shows any upcoming anything uh yeah no not really just uh i just want to i want to plug you guys just you know it's a great great podcast uh you know listening i don't know when you, you let me know when, when everything's airing and everything and I'll, I'll spread the word around and and uh try, you know help you guys promote this show even further because it's a great show and, and i really appreciate you guys having me and, and the content that you guys uh, produce focusing on mental health. I think it's not only a great show, but I think it's important. It's an important show. So, thanks appreciate a lot, you. Dawson. We appreciate you so much, buddy. Thank you for coming on, and thank can't you. wait thank to have you back, buddy. For thank sure. You. God bless, guys. God bless, Later. brother. Man, Justin Taub, what a great, what a great episode one with Justin. And and the cool part is he's so transparent. Man, yeah. he's gonna give it to you raw. This is why I love the guy. This is why I was talking about being in the foxhole with him, going through broadcasting school. Man, it was amazing to be in that corner, the creativity, and I can't wait to get him on for that second half because we're going to talk about the business. And yeah, we're going to talk about create, talk about that creativity, the voices he can do, the things you haven't seen nothing yet. It's no, I can't get wait. Fun. I'm so excited. Oh, it's going to be so much voice fun. Off. Woo, it's going to be so much fun. Man. Kyle, it's another one yes, in the sir. bag, buddy. Another yes, sir. Look, man, we've 40, 43 episodes in. We got to figure out when we're going to start a new season. <laughs> season for me. Yeah, seriously. Um, but 50. once again, we always, I'm down. I'm, that's exactly what I was thinking. 50. Um, Once again, we appreciate you guys so much for rocking with us. Thank you again, Justin, for jumping on the show, man. We can't wait to have you on again. Uh, Rod, tell them where they can find you. Man, you can find me on X at Rod Rod Banks. That is on X at Rod Rod Banks and on Instagram at Rod underscore Rod underscore Banks. And for me, you can find me at Mr. Marvel 87 on Instagram, X, and TikTok. You can find ADA, you know, a different angle on ADA pod underscore 2023, both on Instagram and X. Um, once again, like I said at the top of the show, please check out Two Laughing Hearts Podcast. It's on um, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and I believe uh, Amazon Podcast or Music or whatever they use, you know, whatever it's called now. Um, and uh, I, 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 there was something. Oh, make sure to check us out on CBD, on the CBD Network. Um, you can find that on Apple Podcasts. Leave a like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah. We appreciate it. We love For it. For sure. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, stay positive. Rod, hit him with it. 
If you're looking for a different angle, where the guys to give it to you. It's been the Different Angle Podcast, guys. We love you.